Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. Today is Thursday, May 14th. Katie Emmer, Jordan Hall, and once again, Joe Fordyce joining us on the pod. There isn't any really latest news from the NHL. We know that the return to play committee is meeting regularly. They moved their meeting up from Wednesday to Tuesday, but from reports on Twitter, that really doesn't mean anything other than they're wanting to just get these meetings and make sure they, they can sort of figure out a way to maybe resume play uh, here shortly. There's still nothing that we know. And as you know, we all would know too, there's other leagues going around saying they will have a decision by a certain date, but we're not really seeing that on the NHL end. And Jordan, like, I know you've seen that. What's like the biggest concern in your eyes? Cause for me, it's, it's definitely assuring to see that the league is meeting to, to figure out ways they're not giving up. I mean, they're still trying to figure out something, but I don't know this, the secrecy is kind of a little bothering. You don't really know, like, is there going to be a set date? We're going to know something here. Yeah, I, I think the frustration, I think we sense more frustration as this lingers from people that work uh, within hockey and media and stuff is because there's, there's just a lot of waiting and not knowing for a guy like Mike Yo or any coach or anyone that works within an organization. They want to know, just have an idea of when maybe they can get back to their jobs. They're not used to sitting around and kind of being handcuffed and not knowing what's going on that day. I personally don't think there's much concern that the NHL hasn't said much. I think they're meeting every day. I think they're talking. They're going over all scenarios. I think the reason maybe we haven't heard as much is because they don't want to give out a set date yet and then have to change it and then all of a sudden do it again, have to change it. This situation is – it truly is a day-to-day thing where you just take each day as it is, try to talk and be transparent as much as you can. But it's really hard to hammer down a date because if you do that, then you get hopes up, you get people preparing for that date, and they maybe have to change it. I think if they could, if they really could hammer down a date, they would. But I just don't think they're in a position right now to really circle anything on the calendar. And if you think about it, it's only about mid-May. Like They really have the rest of May. They have all of June to really look at. They have all of July. They have August. At the uh, same really time, are you, are you concerned? Like if there isn't, like, is there a certain day during you're concerned by if you don't hear anything? For me, not really. If this does go the rest of May and they don't have anything really kind of in place, then maybe I'll start being a little concerned and thinking, hey, maybe this season's not just, it's just not going to happen. I think there's overall concerns about that in general. I don't think anyone firmly believes they can absolutely finish the season. That's the hope. But I'm not overly surprised. And Katie and Joe, I want your takes on that. But I'm not overly surprised that nothing's really set in stone yet. Here's what you have happening. We saw it earlier this week or maybe even was over last weekend. The report 
from the New York Post has this report about a, a 2014 kind of play-in style tournament. And then what happened? Everyone took it and they ran with it as if the league said it, but the league didn't say it. No. So that maybe what they're trying to avoid is because all of a sudden a report comes out and then things get credited to the league, you know, to the league that haven't been substantiated by the league, but people assume it's substantiated by the league. So, and then you have just kind of like all this misinformation running amok and everybody's like, okay, well, what about that 2014 playoff thing? And then it makes the league look bad because they're not speaking about it because the perception is that came from the league. It's going on in other sports too, but we've seen recently now baseball, there's an actual proposal being discussed between the players and the owners. Now that's a little different because this is baseball season. They're supposed to be going until October. Whatever the NHL decides is going to impact this and next season because give it another month or five weeks and it's supposed to be the off season, but it's clearly not going to be a normal off season because most of the teams would already have been in the off season now. So baseball is a little different to compare things, but you even saw the NBA saying that, you know, within the next few weeks, they're going to have a decision about yes or no. And then there was them saying they sent texts to the players in the league. Yes or no. Do you want to continue? LeBron James said he met with a bunch of players in the league via zoom or some sort of video conference. And, um, you know, and they seem united and they want to continue the season. So you're, you're seeing a lot of that stuff, but I think with the NHL and the nature of what it takes to be, prepared to play with the extra aspect of having to get on the ice and skate and, and those sort of things, it leaves more room for misinformation. And I think maybe that's what the league's trying to avoid. When you think of the NHL, they're discussing so many scenarios each and every day when they get, when the NHL and NHLPA and, and people within the league meet, they're discussing scenarios. And the reason they have no obligation to release that to the public and say, Hey, here's what we looked at today. Because what happens, yeah, if they say, hey, you know, we have discussed a 2014 playoff, then everyone's going to run with it as, oh, my gosh, the NHL. So they're, they're just trying to avoid that. But what happens is, yes, yeah, some media outlets have people that they know and that information gets leaked to them and then they report it. If you look at what the NHL has actually released, they've been incredibly careful in their wording. Their most, the most re- one of their most recent ones was that uh, you know, phase one is still in place. Phase two of eventually getting teams to reconvene at their facilities and having like unofficial workouts. They were hopeful that they could do that in like mid to late May, but they were very careful in saying that is not, uh, that is not a firm, a definite. It's what we're hoping for. We will see how things progress. And that was good because there was at least some clarity on the situation, but uh, they really just – I don't think they're in a place to to give out updates and, and put it as fact and definite uh, because, yeah, if they have to change it, then it just – it doesn't look great. I like what they – what your points are, Jordan, that they want to stay safe, right? I mean, you don't want to keep pushing things back. I know this is on another note, but even with, like, I, I follow country artists. Like, they don't even want 
to release what their upcoming like schedule or tours might be because they don't want to keep upsetting their fans. So that's another level of this. And that's what I think about when you mentioned that. Jordan and Joel, there's just a certain point though, where it like say June 1st, if I don't hear anything, like, I I don't know. I feel like I need something of like, if it doesn't happen by this date, it's not happening. Like we hear about, okay, it could push in the next season. Possibly Batman comes on like, yeah, we could have a late start. We could possibly start around like the holiday time next season. And I'm just curious on like, what point is, is too much, right? Like at what point you don't resume play. And again, I'm, I'm an optimist. I want to resume play soon, but if it doesn't happen soon enough, like, is there a certain breaking point, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like we need sort of some, and, and what Joe, you mentioned too, just we're, we're hearing from the NBA, like they're, they're setting in stone or the MLB, they're setting in stone. A, you know, if it happens, it happens here. I don't know. I just feel like we're not getting that from the NHL. Yeah, uh, we're not hearing much. And, and I, I, I find it hard to believe that we will not hear something by June 1st because the first of the months are kind of like these benchmarks that everybody looks at, right? Like it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll be back by June. And, and baseball saying, well, maybe we'll start on July 4th weekend. It's always the start of months that people view naturally as your benchmarks. Now, to me, um, this is completely just off the top of my head, but I think it would be great for the NHL if it's going to affect both seasons. Play out your playoffs in the summer and however deep that may go and start next season with the Winter Classic. Make that the the start of the season. I feel like that's a feasible way to do things. Now, you're probably talking about cutting the season by 20-some games. Now, how many of the owners are going to agree to lose X amount of home dates? It's probably going to be haggled over, but something has to give, right? These are human beings. It's not like they're robots you can just put out on the ice and have them play five games a week. It's, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, that has to be considered. You know, it, it's all great to play this accelerated style, but in the end, they're still human beings. And you can't ask, them it's and it's not baseball it's it's more physically taxing game so i think asking anybody to play more than four games in a week is getting toward the ridiculous state that's not really a feasible option so something has to give at some point yeah i do find it interesting too with the nba you talked about that text message going around we saw yesterday or uh you know throughout this week on twitter It is interesting. You know, they want the player feedback. Like, do you want to play? I heard it was a yes or no question, like asking guys in this league if they would want to play. I wonder if that's the same with the NHL, Jordan. Like, do you think they, of course they take into account what Joe just mentioned. These guys aren't robots. They know they're human beings, but do you think they take that into account? Like getting an actual questionnaire of guys around the league? Cause I could see it happening. Yeah. I'm I'm sure they're listening to just about everyone and the players are your products. So they are absolutely listening to their players. So I definitely bet they're getting all the insight they can gather. And yeah, hearing about, I think we heard reportedly that the players pushed back a little bit on the four city, four cities idea because they were, you know, I think a lot of them are probably thinking, Hey, it's a long time to, to quarantine and be by ourselves and be away from family. I think a lot of them weren't totally on board with that. And I think we've kind of heard that idea kind of simmer a little bit because reportedly the, the players were kind of pushing back on that. So, so yeah, I think they're, they're hearing from everyone, but 
the fun situation for us, I think, is we have the ability to kind of talk and analyze this current season, but we also have the ability to kind of look to next season as well because of the predicament that everyone is in. So we had a fun segment with Mike Yo where he picked his Flyers MVP and best defenseman. Let's get into that interview and then we'll have a fun segment looking at our biggest question at each position going into the offseason. Man, these are questions that coaches shouldn't have to answer, I, I feel like, because, uh, you know, it's like asking your parent who's your favorite kid. Um, but every parent has a favorite kid, Mike. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Um, you know what, honestly, like, I think that there's a lot of good arguments to made, whether it's G and his leadership that he's he's brought to us. I look at, uh, you know, obviously, I'm a, I'm a defense uh, coach, and so I would vote for all the defensemen. But I think Coots was having such a strong year and so valuable, um, you know, in every aspect of the game. Um, you know, it, his his impact in the game is, is certainly can be measured in points, but that's not all of it. You know, when you look at, uh, at a player like Patrice Bergeron, what he's been able to bring and do for the Boston Bruins, uh, I've seen Coots this year. Uh, he's brought so much respect. Uh, to his game for me, and uh, and so I'd have to jump on that one. All right. Speaking of defense, Barry Ashby Trophy for outstanding defenseman, and I feel like you could make a really strong case for two, three guys here. Um, which you know, props to you, I guess. There, but uh, <laughs> but I had nothing to do with it. If you had to uh, name an outstanding defenseman for this season, who would you go with? Well, again, I, I don't want to leave anybody out because, you know, obviously as coaches, I think that what we have to do is we have to make sure that we understand, um, you know, every every piece is important. And so I think that all the guys were having very successful years. You know, a guy like Robert Hag, um, you know, he's not going to win an award like that, but he was playing his best hockey at at the time when when our season canceled i was really proud of where he was going uh phil myers really proud of where he was going same with sandy uh, justin braun was playing obviously really well for us ghost was hurt um Nisky has brought so much to the table for us this year it, you know again similar to coots it's hard to measure everything that he brings um whether it's his leadership the practice habits his the effect that he's had on the young defensemen and um, the example that he has for them. Uh, but I'd have to go with Provy just in the sense of the minutes that he plays, um, you know, uh, the, the, obviously the situations, first power play, first penalty kill, uh, playing against the top lines uh, for a very young player. It's, it's very impressive to me how consistent he is um, and obviously how competitive he is. So uh, probably have to say that. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Great stuff from assistant coach Mike Yo, who has done some incredible work with the penalty kill and defenseman. Uh, those are two aspects that have greatly improved uh, for the Flyers in 2019-20. So with that, let's look ahead to the future a little bit. Katie, myself, and Joe, we're going to look at uh, the biggest question at each position group. Katie, let's start at forward. What do you think at forward? Yeah, you know, um, I think the forwards stepped up so much this season. Um, of course, you have to look at your your top and also your bottom. I think right now the continuous depth is something that, again, I hope would continue. That's that's literally what I wrote down, you know, continuous depth for the forwards, especially when you look at 
the beginning of this season, Elaine Vigneault calling out the top guys not contributing as much as he'd hoped. And we'd see that depth step up in so many different ways. They did at that point. They did even before the NHL pause, um, you know, guys like Tyler Pitlick, guys like even Scott Lawton at certain points, Michael Raffle, um, all of them just stepping up in different ways. I think that would be the most important. Of course, you you would count on your Travis Konechny's, your Kevin Hayes to be uh, getting out there and, and helping out. Of course, Claude Drew, Sean Couturier, but... When you have that depth, I think that's one of the most important weapons the Flyers have had this season, and I think it truly should be another focus they have next year. Joel? To me, you mentioned a lot about the depth. They, fortunately, they've gotten they, – they, they've picked up scoring depth, and a lot of that has had to come because of the absence of Nolan Patrick. So to me, the biggest thing in the offseason is, is, I think, determining whether Nolan Patrick is a part of this team going forward. And – I understand it's a health issue, but when you're looking at the makeup of the team, this isn't just some guy. This is a guy who has a severe impact on the lineup, whether he isn't there or is there. And you mentioned depth. I mean, imagine the depth if they added Nolan Patrick to the depth they already have. Obviously, that would take the lineup spot away from somebody else. But I think that is your biggest question going forward is what, in terms of the forwards, what is Nolan Patrick's role on this team? Um, we know he had the migraine thing, but he's been skating for months. Is he cleared for contact? Is he ready to play? Um, all those things have to be determined because when, when asked about it, the Flyers are pretty vague about what his status is other than that he's skating um, we've all seen him on the ice with the team at skate zone and, you know, you kind of just, there's always kind of this wondering amongst the people that cover the team, you know, where does his progress stand? And, uh, he, he doesn't talk much about it. So, um, I think that's, that's the biggest question heading into the off season. Yeah. Very big question there with Nolan Patrick. And one that kind of ties to that is, do the Flyers re-sign Derek Grant? To me, that's the biggest question going into the forward group because I, I think the team's going to look long and hard at re-signing Derek Grant. And if they do that, you're projecting Derek Grant to probably be a bottom six center. And then that, that makes you wonder, where does Nolan Patrick fit in? Uh, you probably don't think Nolan Patrick is a fourth-line center. Um, will he be healthy to play? Um, where does he where does he fit in? I think that's a big question. So I think if they don't re-sign Derek Grant, then all of a sudden things are pretty open down the middle for Nolan Patrick to come back in there and really seize his position. But if they do re-sign Derek Grant, all of a sudden that window at center really closes and tightens up. Uh, and the competition gets really important there. And Nolan Patrick, if let's first and foremost, let's hope he's healthy and good enough to play. But then when he gets back, he's gonna have to prove himself. So I think Derek Grant's a huge question. If they re-sign him, um, it changes a lot. But gosh, Nolan Patrick's a really good one too because he's a restricted free agent. So what kind of deal does he get? Does he get some years on his contract? Does he sign a real basic one-year deal, a prove-it type of deal where he can kind of bank on himself and then the Flyers can also say, hey, we want to see you do something before we commit longer years? I think the Nolan Patrick uh, – contract this offseason will be a big one but Derek Grant for me is going to be my biggest at forward let's shift the defensemen a really strong position group for the Flyers but of course there's always questions Katie what do you think about defense 
Yeah, you know, um, as you said, really strong position group. They've stepped up so much this season. And when we had Travis Sanheim on, it was fun to ask him about what Provorov and Niskanen bring, specifically Niskanen, just overall as a leader. My biggest takeaway for the defense going into next season would be leadership. I feel like having that, you know, either top pair of Ivan Provorov and Matt Niskanen or just the presence of Matt Niskanen in that group in general um, has brought so many different changes that we've seen. I just find it so important um, to have that moving forward, just have that consistency because you have younger guys, you have your Phil Myers, even Travis Sanheim, um, younger players that, you know, would really have benefited from having a guy like Matt Niskanen um, to look up to and to learn from and, and just have, you know, he's a leader for the defense, but he's also a leader for the whole team. But whether it's him, whether it's Ivan Provrov, just any sort of leadership that can stay consistent moving forward next season, I would find as very important for the Blue Liners. Another guy that hasn't contributed a ton this year and what his role is going forward. And that is Shane Gostaspare. Is he part of this defense core or is he not? And I think unlike the Nolan Patrick thing, this is not a health matter. This is just the team deciding is he or isn't he a part of what's going forward. We all saw the impact when he had, when he came up a few years back, he was the quarterback of the power play. He just reinvigorated the offensive production of this team. And I feel like it's kind of gone down progressively ever since that moment. I don't think we've seen that Shane Gostaspare since his rookie season. And I think they need to determine, A, is he part of the team? And B, if he is, what is his role? Because we've seen other guys step up on the power play. Provorov, the main guy. Yeah. So, you know, if Shane Gostaspare is not contributing on your power play, I'm not really sure where he fits in. So that would be my biggest concern is determining whether he's part of this or not. Because if he is, then who loses a spot? Because Ghost has been out of the lineup at times, uh, both scratched and due to injury. So that's allowed for other guys to step up. So they really need to determine what Gostaspare's role, if any, is with this team going forward. I'm going to go Justin Braun. Do they re-sign Justin Braun, who is set to be an unrestricted free agent? I think when they originally acquired Justin Braun, it was, hey, let's bring him in on the final year of his deal. He could be a veteran that could kind of stabilize things. And then we'll we'll circle back on if we want to re-sign him. He has very quietly probably been one of their best defensemen since Christmas, about a span of 25 to 26 games. He was really, really good. And I think the Flyers, again, have a tough decision with a veteran player um, who is set to be a free agent. I think why it's so important is if you sign Justin Braun, then again, it closes opportunities for others. Uh, where does Shane Gossespierre fit then? Uh, if Justin Braun does come back, they'll have seven defensemen that can really play. Does Gossespierre fit in? Does he play every day? Um, will he play over Robert Hay? What about Philip Myers? If they don't re-sign Justin Braun, then all of a sudden there's more opportunity. And then maybe the door opens for a, a really young prospect that's a promising guy in Igor Zamula, uh, who's set for his first professional season. Um, and all of a sudden he could, he could climb a lot quicker. So I think it really changes the whole landscape uh, at defensemen if they, if they decide to re-sign Justin Braun or if they don't. I'm really fascinated to see what they're going to do there. And uh, if they do re-sign him, how many years will they commit? What will Justin Braun want? Uh, but that's a big wait-and-see type of thing. To me, that's the biggest question. But uh, Shane Gossespierre, yeah, 
how will they look at him and his role? Are they finally going to kind of make a decision on him? He's kind of been hanging around lately uh, and really had, it's tough to say, but he really had his, his most difficult and worst season as, a, as an NHL player this year with injury and lack of production. So, uh, Jordan, we'll what, about, uh, what about even earlier to this season with Elaine Vigneault in the dressing room? I, I very clearly remember you. Um, at the skate zone, we were asking who's going to play tomorrow. I mean, there was always that competition. There's always going to be like a, a guy out. And I feel like at the same time, yeah, it, it would be very interesting to see if, you know, Braun isn't returning and, and you have that. But just focusing on this year, maybe, how much do you think the Flyers have benefited from having that competition with that bottom pairing and just who's going to be who's going to be in? And they've always had kind of that odd guy out. And I feel like what we've seen come about for Robert Haig, like that competition has certainly benefited the Flyers just by point, case in point, Robert Haig. Yeah, I think it really fueled Robert Haig. And he and he and when he got his opportunity, he played really well because I bet he he felt pressure of, hey, I'm getting my chance. Let me let me seize it. And he and he carved out a role for himself. Shane Gossersberg is a really motivated player, too. He wants to get out there. And when he got out there, uh, he wanted to show that he could he could perform because I think he felt deep down, he felt some pressure. Uh, so the competition is good. And you're seeing them, the, you're seeing the Flyers get more and more depth defensemen. Uh, if you even yeah. look a little further down, you you have a guy, Igor Zamola. Uh, Mark Freeman is a the guy they really like, uh, who who's had a couple cup of coffees up here with the Flyers. And then you look a little further, uh, Cam York, their first round pick last summer, who might have maybe one more college season left before he turns pro. And they really like him. He's a guy that could climb really quickly. And then a few other guys, Wyatt Wiley, who was turning pro in 2020, 21. And then you have a kid, Wyatt Kalyanuk, who uh, looks like he might be heading back to Wisconsin for his senior year, but he's a, um, an older player at the college level uh, who has a similar skill set to Shane Gostasper. So the competition is really brewing for the Flyers on the blue line, and it'll make decisions very interesting for Justin Braun, Shane Gostasper, and some other, some other guys competing for spots. But uh, one situation that we know is pretty set in uh, stone, but uh, could change a little bit in the offseason, is goaltending. Katie, let's start with you. What is your biggest question at goalie? I feel like the, you know, expectations for Brian Elliott, um, and I think we all could agree to this, were exceeded this season, just by seeing what he's still capable of at his age. And, and with that factor in mind, it's, it's like that tandem you get so used to, to expect out of the Flyers, just seeing the way they were able to work. Um, moving forward, it's a concern for me. If that tandem can continue any sort of way, just having a strong either backup and having a, a way where it works out for, you know, Carter to, to be in and, and whoever it may be in the backup situation, I feel like is going to be the Flyers' advantage. That tandem moving forward, a strong tandem is so important, and we've seen it be so important for the Flyers. And guys, as long as there isn't an eight-goalie season, that is all that I care about. But next season, I do think that that tandem is just very important for the Flyers. Yeah, I, I would say if you're asking for a concern in the goaltending area, my only thing is, does Brian Elliott think he can be a starter in this league? And, and if he does, how does that affect his with the team? Because, you know, you don't, it's obvious that Carter Hart's the future of the team. So you don't want to have any sort of um, bad blood or anything mix its way into the locker room. And if Brian Elliott starts to think that he, number one, he stayed healthy. That's a huge key, and he played well when called upon. 
So does he think he can be a starter? I mean, we look around the league, you had a guy in Carolina win a game off the street. So it's not like the there's an overabundance of goaltending in the NHL. So maybe Elliott thinks he can be a starter and that could affect his mentality. So that would be my concern uh, in terms of goaltending for the Flyers. Yeah, I think my biggest concern will be how does Brian Elliott view the Flyers and his situation here and how do the Flyers view Brian Elliott's future uh, in Philadelphia? Because again, he's set to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he's 34 and uh, that's a big decision. Do you Are the Flyers eventually maybe ready to turn over the backup duties to a young prospect, maybe like a Felix Sandstrom. Um, Alex Lyon is due a new contract as well. So what will they do with Alex Lyon? Uh, I, I think it will come down to how Brian Elliott views his situation with the Flyers. If he's happy here and he likes the situation uh, and he wouldn't mind being a backup and a, you know, a good uh, mentor to Carter Hart, then he'll probably sign for maybe one or two more years and at a decent clip. But uh, if he thinks he can go elsewhere and maybe get more money or more years and the Flyers aren't ready to commit um, some years to a guy that at his age and with some injury history over the past two to three seasons, uh, it creates a big question of how the Flyers want to pursue the backup goaltending position. Do they want to do it in-house? Do they want to go uh, to the market? Uh, so I think the biggest question will be Brian Elliott and his view of the Flyers and what he is he happy here? Does he want something else? Can he get more years elsewhere? Because uh, that will really change things, I think, for the Flyers. Yeah, and, and something too with that, it's funny because all of us, no one's concerned about Carter Hart. And I don't think we really need to be. We've seen what this young player is so capable of. Um, and we even heard um, Brian Boucher, Jordan, the other episode, just talking about how unique uh, his mentality is and how mature he is. And um, it's a sh- reassuring to hear that for sure. But we've seen it on the ice, what he's capable of. Is there any concern with him, though? I mean, this whole, you know, on the road, he, he wasn't playing well. And again, maybe that's just what you expect um, out of him, just to have, you know, you're going to have some off nights. Is there any concern with, with Carter Hart next season? Because for me, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i all set. He, uh, me, you know, I- he didn't have as big of a sample size as we want to see so far before this pause. But, I mean, it's funny that none of us are concerned about him. Yeah, for me, I have no qualms with uh, Carter Hart. I think, if anything, maybe the biggest question is, how many games will he play next season? Yeah. Like how much, how much will he be the number one? He's definitely the number one, but how many games will he get? And then who will his backup be? And, and will that person be able to spell him from time to time? But I have no concerns about Carter Hart playing on the road. I know he can do that. He's, he did it at junior. Um, he did it in his rookie year when he came up mid season. Uh, that stuff doesn't really worry. I mean, I thought he, I think he started to solve that uh, this season too, towards it down the stretch. Joe, do you have any concerns with Carter Hart? I would just say my, my concern only is not necessarily with Hart, but it's more with the way goaltending is in the NHL right now. I mean, there's not that goalie. I mean, save maybe Carey Price. There's not really that goalie that goes out. There's not a goalie that goes out there and plays 75 games. It's not like the way it was in the 80s and the 90s where, you know, Martin Brodeur was the goalie every night for the Devils. And you knew that was the case. That's not the way things work anymore in all of sports, but definitely with hockey, with goaltending, that's just not the way things work. So you can't just say, oh, we're going to just grab this guy and this is going to be our backup. Because if your backup plays 25 games, you, you can't just have a guy in there, you know, just any random guy, because, you know, that's a, that's a, a portion of the season 
that can't just be thrown away. And in the end, that could come down to, do you make the playoffs? Do you have home ice advantage? And it could come down to those games where Carter Hart needs a rest. So your backup has to play. And so I would say the way goaltending is in the NHL now is more of my concern than necessarily Carter Hart. We know he wants to play every game. He says it all the time, mm-hmm. but that's not a realistic option. So um, that would be my concern. Yeah. And just on that note, um, it, it was good to see that, you know, when he was injured this season, like we saw from the stadium series, like he, he didn't call it out in this season, just that maturity Maybe he's taking that into account, Joe. I mean, yeah, he does want to play every game, but you would think too. I mean, he he's growing into that where he he understands just how important of an asset he is for the team, and uh, that kind of example right there shows you know maybe he he's mindful of that. But yeah, I, I would have to agree too, just overall with the NHL goaltending currently in the league. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Um, I want to finish our episode by maybe debating. Maybe we're all going to agree. I don't know. But the top three flyers of all time. Guys, this was difficult. Um, and again, I just said goaltending. That was my segue. So you can imagine um, I'm going to have a goalie in this bunch from the flyers. Um, but yeah, I I don't want to go first. I want to see what you guys have. Joe, our guest, let's start with you. What is your list of the top three flyers of all time? And did you struggle with this as much as I did? Because this was just kind of hard. Um, to, to me, two of them are slam dunks, and the one is exactly. a struggle. Yeah. So to me, Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant are slam dunks as, as t- two. Yep. Uh, the third one is, is one I've debated, and um, I would have to say that Mark Howell would be my third one. Um, Hall of Fame defenseman spent most of his time with the Flyers, if not for the, those pesky Edmonton Oilers in the 80s, he's probably a multi-time Stanley Cup winner with the Flyers. Um, and I, I just, growing up, I know my thoughts on what a defenseman should be were shaped by how Mark Howe played. Um, there's an argument to be made for Eric Lindros, of course. Um, I believe there's an argument to be made for Eric Desjardins. But uh, in the end, I'm going to say Mark Howell would be my number three. Yes. Jordan, what do you got? Kitty, you're right. It really is tough, Joe. Like, that was like some excellent points about how many guys you could consider. Uh, for me, um, maybe I'm a little uh, different, but I- I'm going to go with Bob Clark, Bill Barber, and I'm going to put Claude Drew in there. I think Ooh. when it's all said and done, I think Claude Drew – uh, will be one of the greatest, if not the greatest flyer, probably second to to Bobby Clark. But Drew has really climbed the leaderboards. He's been here his whole career. He's seen it all. The only thing he really hasn't done is won a Stanley Cup. Um, but he's played a ton of games. Uh, the He's, I think, second on the assist list. Um, he's climbing the goal leaderboard as well as the points. Uh, he's third in games played, and that – when his career is all said and done, uh, he very well could be uh, play the most games in his career here in Philly. So I think Claude okay. Drew has to be in there. And it, it's hard to say no to Bobby Clark and Bill Barber. Uh, they are up there on all the leaderboard categories, and they've won cups. Uh, Bernie Perron is so tough to keep off. I know he's a different position. He's a goalie. He's the greatest goalie in franchise history. Um, but in terms of just overall impact, 
um, and how long they were here. I I'm going to go Clark, Barber, and Giroux. Katie, okay. how about you? Well, um, I, I did have the same problem as finding the first two as slam dunks and then struggling with the third. But, I mean, it wasn't too much of a struggle. It's just it's great to, you know, have a, a list to work from. You're like, okay, who can I put up there? Of course, it's going to be Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant. Um, as Jordan, you maybe hinted on, the, the impact of Perrant, though, is something that stuck out so much. Like, yes, his play on the ice was so evident, just what he was able to do and how he was able to carry the Flyers. But we were just talking about Carter Hart. Just the way that the, the Flyers goaltenders have been able to work out, I feel like is all due from Bernie Perrant. Um, rest in peace, Pelly Lindbergh, another example of just looking up to Perrant too and, and what he could have been capable of as well. Um, Ron Hextel is another one in that list where you're just kind of, you're really kind of juggling who's going to be better. And I just feel like Bernie Perrant set that standard for the goaltenders in, in this franchise. And I really think that's the reason why he belongs on the list, just for, you know, the overall impact, Jordan, as you hinted on. And then for my third, I put Bill Barber. Um, nice. Of course, playing with uh, Bobby Clark throughout his career, it was certainly helpful for him to get setups and everything like that. Um, but leading in goals all time, 420, I, I believe it was. And just... Mm -hmm. What he was able to do, I, I too saw that he never scored less than 20 goals in every single season. Um, he always had 20 or more. So that was, was pretty um, pretty clear to me that he, I believe, belongs on the list as well. So there you have it. Bernie Perrant, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber. I love it. I, I love think we it. did and pretty it's well. List, it's a fun list to debate um, because, they're, they're, like Joe said, Lindros and some other guys, uh, some really tough choices. Yeah, and Chris Tyrion. I know he wants a shout-out, right? Should we just throw him on there? Yeah, Should we just put Bundy on the list? In, I hope he's most, most games as a defenseman in, in yeah, Flyers history. Yeah, he is up there. Um, the, the, the separating factor here, clearly, between all of the players that we've chosen are those Stanley Cups in the 70s. Now, yeah. Katie, you're three – I mean, they're all, all three of them are Hall of Famers, so how could you go wrong? Uh, Mark Howe's a Hall of Famer as well. I mean, it's – it's that that Flyers team in the 80s to me was they could have been a dynasty. The problem is they were up against a maybe the greatest dynasty we've ever seen in sports in those Edmonton Oilers teams. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I guess we'll never know what the, the peak of what they could have been. But um, but, you know, the, those teams were the they were the first times I remember watching hockey were the mid to late eighties uh, with Mike Keenan as a coach. And, and those teams were, were something special. So, um, but I, I mean, you really can't go wrong with any of these players yeah. we've, uh, we've talked about here. I, I was going to mess around and just put Yager on that list and just see what your guys' reactions were. <laughs> In terms of locker room entertainment, Yarmir right. Yager, uh, yeah. probably on the list. Yeah, I remember many <laughs> nights after games being uh being in the uh dressing room and being entertained by uh by Yarmir uh with the media so um yeah I mean and I don't think you'd find many Flyer fans that would argue with the fact that the Flyers probably should have uh brought Yager back for a year or two of that yeah. experiment because of uh not necessarily the point totals that he had with the team but what he did for the other players on the team I, I don't think you can you can measure Katie Emmer, thank you so much. And Joe Fortas, thanks as always for, for hopping on. And that is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.